Time for another episode of the Busy Work Podcast. Thanks for taking the time to listen and thanks for being a part of this program. As always, I am your host, Corey Workheiser, in our studio here in the Student Success Center at the College of Charleston School of Business. From time to time, I get to spend some time with some of our outstanding faculty at the College of Charleston. And today we are going to speak with Nancy Muller, visiting associate professor in the Department of Health and Human Performance. Nancy has a PhD and an MBA and more than 20 years executive experience in healthcare, including 13 years as an executive director of a national not-for-profit. And that program provided public health education and patient advocacy. I run into a lot of students who don't necessarily think about healthcare as an option. So I'm really excited to have Nancy here to talk about the business aspects of healthcare. And Nancy's visiting with us today via telephone. So hello, Nancy. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Corey. It's great to be with you. So I, it's, it's interesting. I, like I said, I run into a lot of students who are passionate about business, passionate about helping people. And when I talk about healthcare careers in business, they don't really seem to, to put those together. So tell me a little bit about your career path in business and education along with healthcare. Okay, sure. Well, I've always viewed my life in chapters. And frankly, I continue to do that um, to this day, as I soon will be retiring from teaching at the College of Charleston at age 68. I have worked full time for 45 years, so I think I've earned my stripes. Absolutely. Uh, my, my first job actually was organizing and managing an Indian imports business for my chemistry lab instructor and, um, and retail store, too, before pursuing my MBA at the Darden School at UVA. Uh, learning about U.S. customs and shoplifters. Mm. Um, and um, then after getting my MBA, uh, beginning in 1977, I worked the first 15 years for a multinational conglomerate, um, starting in corporate finance uh, as its first female financial analyst, and within seven years was offered the job as assistant treasurer of that entire $7 billion corporation. But I turned it down because I wanted to work in marketing, and I got a chance to uh, become the director of marketing for its Crown Jewel International Division in food packaging, where I learned the value of taking care of the customer and also about continuous quality improvement. Both principles I carry and apply to this very day. Um, I transferred to another division to obtain global experience experience as VP of international sales for the world's largest distributor of U.S. published books. And that gave me a chance to travel uh, overseas, and, and I've been to over 40 countries now on six continents. I entered healthcare as the head of marketing for a small, publicly traded medical device manufacturer. And after doing that for a couple of years, I started my own consulting firm uh, in strategic marketing. And my clients were primarily in healthcare. In fact, um, mainly uh, doctors at major academic medical centers like the Mayo Clinic, OHSU, Cedar Sinai, and LA. Um, and during this time, also, uh, we lived in Europe for about five years as I continued to consult. And when I returned to the U.S., I was asked to head up a national not-for-profit organization, the one Corey you described earlier in public health education and patient advocacy. And I remember at the time saying, 
I don't know anything about running a not-for-profit. <laughs> in, in business school, we learned how to make money. Right. <laughs> and um, the then chairman of the board, who was the president and chief operating officer of C.R. Bard at the time, said, Nancy, it's just like the business world. You have to bring in your own revenue, and you can't spend more than you bring in. And I said, I think I can do that. <laughs> and I loved it. I stayed in that job for 13 years, and during that time, I went back to school um, while I was working full-time for my Ph.D. Uh, I, I wanted to teach and share all I had learned along the way, and a friend encouraged me to apply to the College of Charleston, which I joined eight years ago. And uh, now I wear two hats, one in, with administrative responsibilities and the other teaching undergraduates in, in public health. And that is probably a, a unique experience to, to have that breadth of knowledge. You travel to, to more than 40 countries. Tell me again how long you lived in Europe. For about five years, we were in Amsterdam. So you've got this international experience, this business experience in a lot of different areas. How would you say it's a little bit different to be uh, in academics as a professor as opposed to leading a big organization, or is it very similar? Well, uh, let's see. How honest can I be? <laughs> I think in the in, in the business world, and and frankly, um, in in the not for profit world. Um, there is much um, more accountability. Uh -huh. There is much more emphasis on um, how you performed, how well you performed, uh, whether or not you met established goals, and how, how well you worked with others. Uh, I don't think that those metrics necessarily uh, uh, are applied although they could be in, oh. in higher ed. Um, I think a lot of um, academic disciplines tend to be viewed in, in a more of silos, whereas um, in the for-profit and in the not-for-profit world, um, it's, it's viewed in a much more integrated organization-wide fashion. That's been my experience. So you have this business background and, and you have this education background. And of course you have the opportunity now to talk to students about the education, the academic side of things, but bring in this tremendous amount of business experience. And I always say to students, you know, healthcare is a critical business. It, it is vital. It's a huge part of the, the macro and the micro economy in the United States. But many of our business students don't recognize it as an option. Don't consider it as an option. Can you give me some examples of how a business degree is highly valued and highly useful in healthcare? Sure. Well, I'm so glad you've asked this question because, first of all, healthcare is the single largest sector in the U.S. economy, hmm. and it's also essentially recession-proof. Uh. It does not go through the ups and downs and the cycles of of the uh, financial services or manufacturing or many other sectors. Everybody needs health care, and we all need it all of the time. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is there are many, many very diverse opportunities, and they accommodate every type of personality, whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, uh, and certainly will encompass uh, whatever your passion is. And the other thing I love 
so much about healthcare and what I've found it to be absolutely, um, uh, it, it just it held me in its, in its bosom and didn't <laughs> let me go, is the fact that it's always changing, not only because of new technology, uh, but because of new policies and all the ingenuity that you're surrounded by. And when there's change, there's always opportunity, especially for the entrepreneur-minded person. So let me just mention a couple of areas. I won't, I won't do it in the context of job titles, per se, because titles are always changing, and you have to look at specific responsibilities. Uh, but the whole area of supply chain management, boy, has that been turned on its head mm. during the pandemic. Procurement, sourcing, just-in-time inventory, um, and vendor relations in general. I mean, boy, I would say there's, there's a hot ticket waiting for graduates there. Quality assurance um, and um, artificial intelligence decision support. Uh, value-based healthcare. How do you measure? How do you measure value? Uh, I tell my students is quite simply achieving optimal quality at the lowest uh, feasible price. <laughs> but you know that's that's a, still a tough equation to. Uh, to work through financial reporting, cost accounting. Gosh, boy, is cost yeah. accounting uh, finding uh, creative opportunities? Um, the whole realm of marketing. If if people are uh, if your undergraduates are are marketing majors, um, brand management and and brand management of services. That if you're on the provider side of the equation, but certainly brand management in. Um, medical devices and products and, and pharmaceuticals, patient satisfaction, again, a, a qualitative kind of ephemeral um, arena, consumer behavioral research, market research in general, competitive positioning. I love that stuff. Boy, competitive positioning, how do you position yourself strategically in the, in the local market or in the national market or even in the global market, depending on what your um, your product offering is, strategic analysis and, and planning, if you tend to be a big picture kind of person, um, but contract negotiations with payers like private insurance companies such as uh, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, all of those fit under that umbrella. And then I go into the area of uh, product launches, program launches, and program management, product management, Again, whether you're on the product or service side of, of the, the sector. And lastly, the whole area of cybersecurity. I don't know if you all touch on ransomware, but ransomware has, has basically engulfed the healthcare sector in recent years. And uh, so we need things like blockchain data security mm -hmm. and um and health information systems technology and big data analysis in, in general. So those are just some of the, um, the realms for, uh, uh, where jobs exist and, and where uh, there are growing opportunities. 
Blockchain is one of those things where five years ago, nobody ever heard of it. <laughs> and now there are highly critical, lucrative professions that rely on people with those skills. I talk to students all the time that are interested in in, in blockchain or, or even, uh, as a sideline, cryptocurrency. And, and these are things that I struggle to understand, but they almost intuitively have figured out and can use. Your, your, your statement about ransomware is, is very interesting, too, you know, encouraging students to consider the cybersecurity aspect of a long-term career because it's, it, it can shut down a hospital, it can shut down any kind of healthcare facility for, even if it's just a few hours, the, the destructive nature of that can be profound. So right. you don't usually think right. about cybersecurity as saving lives, but in some ways you can <laughs> Oh, listen, well, uh, how much more precious is is our uh, financial information uh-huh. uh, and and also the uh, the information about our our private you know lives, our our, our medical history uh-huh. and and so forth. And especially as we get into um, genetic counseling and DNA uh-huh. and genomics and and all of that. Um, data security is going to become even more and more important. Yeah, it's more than just your blood type now. It's, <laughs> it's like when you're talking about the DNA that, that, that makes you up, that's the kind of thing you don't want someone else to have access to. <laughs> you better believe it. And, um, you know, when I think about uh, all of the different pathways or segments that one might work in, um, uh, as I said at the outset, a lot of times you might have students who say, well, I'm, I'm not going into healthcare. That's all about doctors and nurses. Well, it's doctors and nurses and clinicians in general are really just a part of provider services because there's this whole infrastructure that has to allow them to do the jobs to the best of their ability, whether those jobs are in hospitals or outpatient clinics or residential communities or other long-term care facilities. And then you have the whole sector of uh, our segment of pharmaceuticals um, and and then medical devices and medical device manufacturing is uh, an entirely separate uh, business segment. And, and, and then of course you have, because of the size of the healthcare sector, you've got distributors. Uh, who distributors of pharmaceuticals, distributors of medical products, that whole just-in-time um, aspect of, of things. Uh, and then you've got uh, not just the public payers, such as Medicare and Medicaid, but you've got all these private insurance companies uh, who are payers, and they contract through uh, you know, managed care organizations with uh, providers to provide care and and other other services preventive services you've got government agencies and all of that support network um so the department of health and human services you know those need cybersecurity and data analysis experts too and then of course there's the not-for-profit arena that i work in and and loved and uh and and felt that I, I really genuinely grew as a person and had wonderful experiences in patient advocacy, health promotion, and, and public health education. The consulting wor- world is 
huge in healthcare um, because many times uh, provider organizations will hire in outside expertise, whether that's uh, at the global uh, level, national level, or a, a statewide scope. And then I haven't even touched on association management um, of all of the professional societies, uh, but there's also uh, association management of industry-specific um, quarters and um, companies, and, and that also spills over into the whole area of lobbying. And so, uh, again, any one of these segments in the healthcare sector have jobs awaiting your graduates. So if a student wants to talk to me about healthcare jobs, I can refer very easily to, so far you've talked about accounting, marketing, management, data analysis, cybersecurity, information management, consulting, supply chain, finance, sales, insurance. I, I, I missed one or two, I'm pretty sure in there, but- It's all there. It it's is. all there. Accounting, yes. Yes. And I hadn't even thought about the association management, but that's that's a whole nother level of uh, leadership op opportunities, management responsibilities, the finance side of things, the marketing. And, and it's it's related to the healthcare industry with all of those professional organizations for all of those professions that are within healthcare. So that's that's a whole nother level we could probably talk about too. That's right. And so if your students are asking you about specific coursework to have the skills and core competencies to, to list on their resumes, uh, project management, I put that at the top uh -huh. of my list. That is the number one skill set, um, not just in the healthcare sector, but in many others. Um, the whole area of team management, teamwork, management in general, management principles uh, in general, scheduling and time management, um, that's a big one. That's part of project management, but um, scheduling is critical in healthcare because uh, you've got very precious, um, high price. Uh, commodities, if you will, in the form of highly paid uh, doctors and other clinicians, and you don't want them standing around. And you sure don't want patients unhappy because they had to wait two hours for their appointment. Um, the whole area of written presentation and communication mm -hmm. skills, um, I can't underscore that more. And, uh, and that includes learning how to do things like creating infographics for health promotion and and other other uh, pitches to the C-suite uh, of management. Um, uh, change management in, in general, you know, how do you manage change in an organization? And in healthcare, change happens at a, a fast pace sometimes. Um, and, and frankly, the whole area of mergers and acquisitions, cost containment is is big on the horizon, and the one way that it has been uh, handled thus far is through consolidation, so um, with both vertical and horizontal integration. So somebody who's had some finance classes in um, mergers and acquisition would be uh, well-suited to, to work in, in finance, in strategic planning, um, to help uh, visualize how an organization might cut out costs um, through consolidation. 
what would you say, because you just listed a, a fantastic list of skills, and I, I'm really glad that you mentioned project management. I talk to students about that a lot. I hear it over and over and over again from employers. It doesn't matter if project management is in your job title. You will be managing projects in almost anything you do in business. That's true. But if you could identify one skill right now, and, and especially as you've worked in education now and you've seen students in, in, in higher education especially, one skill that you could identify that, I know you could identify dozens, but one skill that you would say really leaps out at you is this is what I want to see students really focusing on when they're going to be, to be the most effective employee they can be in their first job. What would you pick? I think it comes back to communication. Hmm. You know, if you can't communicate, if you have poor interpersonal skills, you aren't, you aren't going to be effective in teamwork you certainly aren't going to be very effective in are successful in project management. Um, if you can't communicate, you can't, you, you can't manage change in the organization. Um, and you can be the best analyst uh, there is, but if you can't communicate uh, your findings uh, and your discoveries, uh, your uh, analytical abilities, don't do you a whole lot of good. You know, one more thing I want to point out too, and, and you've mentioned it several times with, with data, big data and overwhelming amounts of, of data to analyze. The, you, you mentioned about infographics, that data visualization. Students that are able to take that information, vast quantities of numbers, and crunch that into something that is visually understandable to inform that strategy and then not just that I can take that info and create something but as you said I can communicate that to the important people the stakeholders who can then use that data and that information to make better decisions I think that that right. whole period of uh, coverage there of all of those things is really 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 phenomenal yeah. right now yeah with brevity and with focus <laughs> right yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh boy, there's a lot there. Yeah, and there's a lot of uh, data coming in. You know, new ways to to capture that data, but but how do you make it work so that somebody can actually do something with it? I know we struggle with in education. I, I can't imagine when you're dealing with all of the vitals that are that are recorded every second from from a patient, how you can manage that data and make better decisions from it. Right. And now that uh, we're trying to address population health and mm -hmm. health disparities sure. and closing those gaps in health status uh, across groups within a population and bringing in those social determinants of, of health that lie outside of the health care system, we're having to rely um, more than ever on things like Tableau software mm -hmm. capabilities. So being able to walk out of out of uh, a degree program with some certifications, it, Tableau or Microsoft Power BI or one of those good data Absolutely. visualization tools, very, very marketable. <laughs> very, very marketable. And and be sure to, to list that on, on your resume too. Make it clear. <laughs> Make it clear. Yeah, hand it to them. Uh, and and sell them on why you're a good fit for that job. Well, Nancy, I can't thank you enough for taking the time today. I had I had big hopes for this podcast, and you have greatly exceeded them because you you really 
covered so many different career options for so many different fields of business. And that is really what I was hoping to, to hear today. And that, that to me is, is very helpful to anyone that's really trying to figure out how that business degree program can align with a career in healthcare, a helping field, very important, as you mentioned, virtually recession proof. It's one of those things that there's always going to be a need for and always going to be a need for business people in addition to clinicians. That's right. And always another new opportunity around the bend. That's the part I love. <laughs> well, thanks for your time today on the Busy Work Podcast and congratulations on your plans for your retirement. Thanks. Thanks. So what I have on, on my horizon is sledding and baking cookies with two and four year olds. <laughs> That sounds like a tremendous way to spend the rest of the year. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Corey. Thank you, Nancy. Hey, the career path winds its way around to places we can't even imagine. Nancy's unique career path proves that, including international travel to dozens of countries, which I know is something that a lot of our students are interested in. Hey, consider your options. But don't be surprised when totally unexpected opportunities come along. Always be prepared to identify those opportunities, reach out and move forward, and find ways to give back. There's always a new generation coming along that seeks the guidance and mentorship that only wisdom from experience can provide. Hey, that wraps another episode of the Busy Work Podcast. Tune in next time for more ways to help you mind your business.